Hello, my friend, and welcome back to the show. Donovan Taylor Hall joins the podcast this week. Are you feeling burnt out? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling like you need a break but don't have the time, can't afford to take one? Well, that's exactly how Donovan felt until he worked himself to the edge, to the brink where he was forced to take some time off. And now he's sharing his resources, his tools, his insights on how he overcame and is currently overcoming some of those feelings of burn, of burnout, of overwhelm, of anxiety, of depression, and how that relates specifically to you and your life and what you may need to do right now. Donovan is an educator, a coach, a speaker, a content creator, and above all else, a youth advocate. And in this conversation, we talk about the challenge young boys are facing and what we can do to help them overcome those challenges and become their own best friend. This podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes, get $10 off your next order by using the code Jackson Talks. Now on to the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks, everybody, with me, your host, Aaron Mashbitz, aka Jackson Stone. We're still going with the with the pretend name here on the podcast, but that's okay. Um, this is episode 133 of the podcast. We are just rocking and rolling here. Um, pumped for this episode, really pumped to connect and get to know this person a little bit better. So Donovan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. 133 episodes. Yeah, right? Wild. That is impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, I um I had one goal at the beginning of the year when it came to this podcast, and it was just be consistent. That's it. Mm-hmm. I just want to release an episode every single Tuesday. That was my goal. And so that was four a month, and then it transitioned to five a month, and now we're at six episodes a month. Wow, look at that growth. That's so, growth. And I got my Spotify rap numbers as a podcaster. And I was like blown away. Uh, So it's, yeah, it's really quite cool to see uh, anyone take the time to listen to a conversation that's longer than 10 minutes, right? Because we're, we're, we're on, you're on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. We all have these short form video content and we just assume that people only want to listen to six seconds of a thing. Uh Right. But then you have, you look at all these podcasts, you've been on some really amazing podcasts lately. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I obviously do a podcast and people are hungry for these long form conversations. They really are because you can get the full complexity, not the full complexity, but more of a complexity of a human than just seeing them for six seconds. And I I like the six second videos because you can get like a a snapshot boom and then it makes you want to go look for more. But people are really hungry for actual knowledge, like diving into like really serious topics and they want to hear stories and I don't think we give people enough credit because everyone's like, ah, short-term gratification, impulse, impulse. And there's a lot of that stuff. Of course there is, right? But there also is a lot of people who are who are very hungry 
um, for like exceptional conversations. And then they're transferring that into their own life. And they're just having mm -hmm. podcasts that aren't ever recorded. And those are the best ones because that's real, real genuine conversations. Um, so yeah, <laughs> not to just start this podcast off on a, on a quick rant, but yeah. <laughs> it's true though. I, cause I honestly, like when my TikTok kind of blew up in the first place, I, it was really weird to me because TikTok videos are very quick and it's very like grab your attention. But the work that I do with kids, even a minute seemed really quick to me where I was like, ah, how can I show like this full conversation, you need the full context. And so I used to get kind of down on myself around that too, where it's like, okay, I have to figure out how to grab somebody's attention in six seconds, right? Mm -hmm. Or two seconds. And no one wants to see that long form stuff. But what I found, especially through podcasts and through lives and in these kind of like discussion-based spaces is that people take a lot of value from it. Just like people take value from those quick videos, which, you know, I'm not hating on. I just haven't figured out the formula yet. But I, it's like people really appreciate these things. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from people around like the actual value that they're taking from these longer conversations. And it makes me feel really honored, like you said, that people will sit and be a part and listen to these things and think about it and integrate it and question it and, you know, kind of grow from these conversations. So I, one of the things that I'm really excited about is I, until more recently, haven't been able to talk to a lot of men about this work. And I think that that is something that is so important, especially because of my desire to support boys and their emotional intelligence and their mental health. Uh, and obviously I wanna support all kids, but just recognizing that, that there's some extra work that needs to be done with this population. It, it gives me a lot of hope to know that these kind of spaces exist. As I was listening to your stuff, it was like, yes, yes. I wanna talk about this. I wanna talk with this man. Yeah, uh, I I have a, a deep, love for i don't know if this sounds weird or not for, for the growth of of young boys like because it's so important like mm -hmm. it, it's so important and i think we're going to get into this and i, I want to backtrack in a second but like there is a bit of a there is a bit of like i think a little bit of hate towards just the overall men in today's society uh and young boys get fed that information and then they're going to, they're going to pick which direction they're going to go. They're going to take either, they're going to take a path. And, uh, and there's a lot of paths, uh, a lot of people on these platforms who are going to tell them which path is best for them. And they're yeah. not going to have the discernment at a young age to understand which one to go on. And so mm -hmm. if we as older adults, males and women play a huge part in this as well of encouraging them to, grow into their best version through having solid role models who embody these strong characteristics of vulnerability and love and compassion and also toughness, right? You need some of that as well. The wor world is very hard. It is very, very hard and you have to have toughness, but that toughness also means being able to ask for help and saying mm -hmm. that you need a break and having vulnerability, which is just a combination of courage and truth, which is just like yeah. the ability to have genuine authentic things and relationships and so it's it's quite important it's actually one of the most important things because the little kids and the young boys that we are coaching talking to or in school now are the ones that are going to change the whole world soon mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so if we want the world to be in good hands it's our job to encourage and distill these values and be the best sort of role models we can be not modeling perfection by any means because we're not modeling that that's impossible but modeling this sort of 
go for it attitude, this try attitude and keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up and choosing to learn and choosing to learn and grow and understand and be curious and then, and then kind of blossom into your own where you can do the same for someone else who's coming up in the same way. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think we're in this really interesting age too, where a lot of traditional values are being kind of questioned mm -hmm. and, and understanding that strength a while ago looks different than strength does now. And so one of the things that I do with my kids is like really try to have them define for themselves. What does strength look like? Yeah. Right. So I, I had one of the boys I worked with, um, he was feeling really upset and was articulating that he like wanted to cry, but couldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, it's weak to cry. And so I had a close relationship with the student. So I asked him and I was like, you've seen me cry before. Right. Like I've had moments where I've gotten emotional from being touched or, you know, like um, feeling grateful for you all. And I was like, do you consider me weak? And he was like, no, but that's you, right? And so then I kind of try to bring his attention to, you have this ability to define for yourself what strength looks like. Mm -hmm. And if you're being told that strength looks this way and that doesn't sit right with you, but you're seeing examples of strength in other people, you can define that for yourself and trying to help them understand that strength doesn't look the same way that it used to look and that it is it is thinking about things like asking for support or being vulnerable and open um or you know being emotional where you feel safe right like those things are redefining what strength looks like and just bringing that bringing that attention to kids bringing that to a kid's attention i think is a really powerful moment yes it's incredibly powerful and i, I want to get into more of that uh and i have some questions to ask you as well <clears throat> but since I sort of uh, just started this off on a sort of a tangent and kind of just, <laughs> we went right in, which is awesome. I want to backtrack into the question that I ask everyone that starts off this podcast. It's the theme of this pod. Um, so I want to ask you, and, and like you said, it's, it's really important that I think two males are having this conversation to sort of embody this to whoever's listening. So Donovan, how are you doing, man? Like, how are you doing really? Um, I am exhausted. I am, um, I think in the past couple of years, I've experienced a type of exhaustion I've never experienced before, which is physical and emotional and spiritual. It doesn't matter how much sleep I'm getting. I'm waking up still feeling really exhausted. And the past few weeks have been really, really tough. And, and it's, it's interesting that this conversation lands today because I'm about to go on like a mental health break from my work. Uh, but just how much it's been difficult or how difficult it's been for me to get to this point where I had to say, like, there is no pushing through this, right? Pushing through this is going to just you know, take me out of the game. I have to, like, be here for myself. And so I'm about to go on break in, like, a few hours, basically, for, like, the next couple of weeks. And I'm just really excited about it because I've been struggling. It's been really tough. And, and doing the work that I'm doing... I often feel like I'm not allowed to share that, but I think it is a part of it. I think it's really important to be open and vulnerable and say, I'm not doing well, or, you know, I need support or I've hit my limit because we want to model that for kids where it's like, when you've hit your limit, it's okay to take time for yourself. It's okay to ask for support. It's okay to set boundaries with people, but it's tough, especially as you know, like living in this belief for a long time, like the society pushes on us, it, it's difficult to push through those kind of self-limiting thoughts and self-limiting beliefs. 
to really understand that taking time for yourself, supporting yourself, caring for yourself is really self-expansive, you know? Yeah. What were, what were some of your like personal roadblocks that you had to cross to try and almost force yourself to taking a break? Because I, I experienced some of the same thoughts and feelings about taking a break and, you know, getting off my phone or doing any of sorts of things. Um, but what are your personal roadblocks there? Uh, I've been struggling with this deep, deep belief of I'm lazy. It, mm -hmm. And it's something I'm actually reading this book right now by uh, Dr. Devin Price called Laziness Doesn't Exist. And if, when I heard that title, I was like, oh, all right, wait a second, because I'm pretty sure I can be pretty lazy. But I started reading the book and I actually got really emotional in the introduction because I was like, oh, shit, excuse me. Oh, crap. This is <laughs> like about me. Like This is about my life. Right. And I think that this this belief that I've had of like, I'm lazy and I'm not doing it enough is because the path that I've been taking for my work just doesn't look like other people's paths. And so I often will feel like I'm not doing enough. Uh, even like on the eve of the Today Show doing their story on me, I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm not doing enough and I'm about to be on the Today Show and I'm still believing that I'm being lazy. And so what the past few months, I had all these huge things happen that are really big in my career. And I, you know, Dono Friend, which is kind of like your Jackson Zone, it's like my, you know, my kind of title that I would use for the work. Yeah. But what was happening, and I didn't realize this until I was in therapy, but what was happening is like Dono Friend was taking like 90% of my energy and capacity. And then Donovan was getting the last 10%. Mm. And 10% is not enough to like thrive 10% is just surviving. And so when I wasn't working, I was sleeping a lot. I was isolating myself. I was like having a hard time with overeating or eating really bad foods or just like overindulging in things. And I was being really tough on myself about it, which is like, why aren't you being better in your personal life? But I didn't realize that I like didn't have the space and capacity to do that because so much of my energy was going into my work. Dono friend was thriving and then Donovan was barely surviving. Um, so I took a few weeks off. Uh, I took a week off because I went to Canada to MC for my friend Sam Dema's uh, book launch. And there was a moment where I stepped outside and I took a week off. Like I was like, well, I'm going to be traveling. It's going to be tough to get a hold of people by coaching clients. Like I'm just not going to coach this week. And I think because I had that time off, everything really settled in. And I just started having those thoughts where it was like, I don't want to be here. I'm exhausted. I don't want to be like, I don't want to exist kind of feelings. And I have struggled with uh, depression for a lot of my life. And I had a period in college where I was suicidal. And that's what those thoughts sounded like. But when it happened the last time, it was more gradual. I felt like it kind of, I was able to track that journey of like, I'm disconnecting and I don't want to be, you know, like, I don't want to have responsibilities and I don't want to be here. But this one just snuck up on me. It was like the second I put Donovan friend down, Donovan was like, I'm ready to call quits. And so I knew that I had to take care of myself, but I didn't really listen to that voice. And I just jumped back into work after a couple of days off. 
And then I ended up getting COVID for the first time. Um, and I'm, you know, triple vaccinated and boosted, but I got sick. And instead of giving myself the time to recover, I gave myself a week and then I jumped right back in and put a ton of pressure on myself and had like a ton of deadlines for these big creative projects. And then I got the flu. And so for me, it was like, okay, spiritually, I'm not going to listen to the signs of the fact that I'm burnt out and that I'm tired, like physically, like to be able to get this sick back to back. It's just a huge wake up call that I'm not taking care of myself. Um, and so I had to really push through this lie of like, I'm lazy because one, I'm doing these things in my time off because I, I'm not giving myself enough space and time. And so of course I'm going to sleep. Of course, I'm not going to have energy to be with my friends or to do things that I love, right? Is because I'm putting everything into Dono friend. So that's what forced me to be like, I have to take a break because I've got these huge things I really care about. And it doesn't matter how much I care about these things or how good the work is. If I'm not taking care of myself, then I won't be here. I won't be here for the work. And that is something that has been really tough to, to grapple with. Soaking that all in for, the, for anyone who's wondering about the pause, but I want to circle back first to the, the 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 college experience that you said with with depression. Was that was that your first bout with that? Um, how did you overcome it if uh, if you did? Um, and and just thoughts on that first. Um, I so I had a lot of death in my life as a young person, starting from my dad when I was six or seven. Um, all the way up to like one of my close friends when I was a uh, senior in high school. And in between, there was just a lot of death. And because I got really good at surviving and kind of doing the things that were as expected of me, on the outside, it very much looked like, well, this kid is just having a teenage experience and he's fine. But I was miserable um and then you add the trauma of death on top of that uh and to and adding things like substance abuse it just got really bad so by the time I got to college I was acting out in a lot of really bad ways and like I was harming people and I you know it was a really tough time I used to look back at that time and, be, and feel a lot of shame around how I was acting and more recently as I did more self-compassion kind of work I understood that like that was a young person that had gone through a lot of trauma and hadn't gotten the mental health support and was finding ways to cope in the world to try to feel better even if they weren't the best ways to do it right it was like me trying to to take care of myself but when I was in college, I didn't have access to that. And I didn't have a lot of support um, around that. And I think it just got to a point where I just hated myself, like really, really hated myself. And it was so different from how I was received. I had lots of friends. Like I was a very like social person. I got good grades and I just, just didn't like who I was. And I was so deeply ashamed of who I was as a person that eventually I just decided like I didn't want to be alive and I didn't want to be myself um and so for about three months I just started to disconnect from the world I started to isolate from my friends even getting into like actual fights with my friends to push them away I got into huge fights with people in my family I quit my job 
I started like um, suicidal ideation and started thinking about like, you know, a lot of the messaging around suicide and um, what stopped me because uh, I had picked a day. But what stopped me is another friend in our friend group took his life. And it was just completely shocking. No one was expecting it. No one had any idea that he was suffering the way that he was. Um, I remember being intimidated by him, thinking that he was really strong and that he would see me and think that I was really weak. That's like the first thought I had around him as a person. And so when that happened, I had to deal with the consequences of suicide without it being me. And so having to see the aftermath, having to be a part of the aftermath, having to talk to his parents, um, having to talk to my friends and seeing everyone kind of struggling around. We didn't know, we didn't know, is this our fault? Why didn't we do anything? I just knew I couldn't do it. I knew I, I could never do that to the people in my life and I could never do that to myself. And um, I just like had a commitment to like, I gotta figure out how to live differently. Like, I, I just can't keep going like this, but there is no other alternate. So I got to figure out some other way to do this. And that's when I started like learning about self-development and, and self-work in, in general. And then um, that became like the foundation for my desire to teach this stuff to kids, to teach promotive and preventive skills to kids. First off, thank you for sharing. That means a lot. Yeah, it's that means a lot to me. And I think the people listening that you would, that you would open up like that. Yeah. Um, second, I uh, wrote a Twitter thread a couple days ago about the myth that suicide is selfish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. And so, you know, um, for those that are listening to this episode, because you're um, your fans or friends of Donovan, I lost my big sister to suicide in 2018. And so that's why mental health um, it became the most important thing in my life, talking about it, understanding it, learning it, breaking down the stigma, being a beacon of hope, light, all the same sorts of work um, that we're, do we're doing, basically both of us are doing, just sort of in different spaces, maybe with different populations, potentially, but maybe the same, but either way. Um, <clears throat> and that's, sort of myth and misconception popped up a lot for, for me. Mm -hmm. I think for the people that I talk to, uh, that suicide is a selfish act. And when you look at it on a, without really understanding at a very deep level, that that's a plausible thing, of course, right? They, they weren't thinking about me. They weren't thinking about the people they love. They weren't, of course they weren't. Yeah. Of course they weren't because from an outsider who's never experienced that sort of emotional distress and pain, mm -hmm. this unbearable sense of pain that I don't really want to, I don't want to die per se. I want this to not, I don't want to feel this way anymore. This fucking weight is tearing me apart from the inside out. I am deteriorating and no one can see it. I have friends. I smile. I still laugh. I still go to class. I still, but I'm deteriorating on the inside. And that's what is consuming me. The darkness is consuming me. So I'm not thinking about anyone that loves me, any good experience that I've had, that's, that's gone. And so that's why if you think about it at a real, like you try to understand how deeply unbearable this pain is when someone is attempting suicide or actually does <clears throat> die by suicide, this is what is happening. So it is not selfish. It's not weak, right? It's just 
the unfortunate circumstances of this unbearable amount of pain that di just didn't that that went unseen yeah. because the invisible is mental health the invisible is mental health conditions these silent killers of depression despair trauma hopelessness all of these things and so that's it's it's important to understand that and you can't fully grasp it unless you've ever felt those feelings or been right there with someone in the trenches, in the dark, feeling those experiences with them and pulling them out from, from that darkness. Um, and so I also want to say that if anyone like yourself, Donovan, that has pulled themselves out of that darkness, you're a fucking legend. You're a legend mm -hmm. because that's, that's a, that's a hard pit to pull and crawl and just drag yourself out of and then continue to keep moving forward because those things don't just magically go away. You have to then put some action forth. And now you're at this point in your life where you're sort of feeling those feelings again, doing all this work that you've done, putting in the effort, the time, teaching, coaching, working on yourself, and still those feelings come up because it's, it's normal. It's natural to have these hard emotions. And so I feel obviously feel very passionate about that and, and wanted to express that for those that might be thinking about um, the idea that suicide is, is selfish. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm so, first of all, I'm just so sorry for your loss. Um, you know, I have three brothers and I can't imagine what that must be like. And I'm also, you know, just really grateful that you took that and you're using it to help and using it to support people and, and create conversations that are really important. And I agree that was like, a really big thought of mine and it helped me be really compassionate for people who were going through that when I was struggling it was like this isn't selfish like like this is all I have I don't know how to explain it but it was like uh, you asking me to stay in this pain and suffering for the for your comfort that feels selfish mm -hmm. and that's the thought process that I had was like people think I'm being selfish but in reality I'm supposed to just stay because people love me, right? But I have to deal with this pain and this suffering, like not being able to look at myself in the mirror. And then having to having these conflicting realities of like people like, like loving me and caring about me. I wasn't like a solo person that was struggling. I was very lucky to have friends and family that loved and supported me. But in a lot of ways, that almost made it harder because the reality that I felt on the inside did not reflect how people saw me. And I just shared this story for the first time recently, but I, when I was in high school, I won the superlative most likely to brighten your day. And I went to the bathroom and cried because I was just so weirded out and so shocked by that. Like I had been self-harming like maybe a few months before that, like uh, only a few people in my life knew it at the time. Um, but it was like, how can people see me this way? when I just look at myself and I hate myself, right? And what's wild is like not making space for myself, not getting the support that I needed. That's what happened to me as a young person that led me to getting to that place of suffering. But that's the same experience that was happening now where it was like, I'm not giving myself the space. Like I'm not giving myself the support. And so when those thoughts came, I was able to immediately recognize it and be like, this is a huge warning sign. Like this is a huge red flag. You have to listen to it, right? You have to listen to it. I don't identify with that, but I, I have to listen to it because that is a sign that something is not right. And the, the thing that's not right is like, I'm not doing well. And I have been trying really hard to teach kids how to take care of themselves. 
because is if you think about the weight of everything that kids are going through and and the issues that they're going to be responsible for fixing the things that we could be fixing as a society right now but for whatever reason is not happening they're going to inherit these problems and so i see these kids who work so hard you see these kids who have these huge causes who want to do good who want to help themselves but are already losing sight of who they are because they found their work that's what happened to me is after i left that time period i started teaching this stuff to kids and it was wonderful and it was like yeah this is important this is my calling this is what i'm supposed to be doing but i still didn't have a good relationship with myself so now it was like okay at least i'm doing something positive but i still treat myself like crap Right. And then it will come back and bite me in the ass. And that's what ha happened a few weeks ago was like, I, it doesn't just go away. And, and I have to take care of that, especially knowing that I'm prone to these things and that this has been a history of mine. So, you know, I, it's like, I want to teach kids to take care of themselves so they don't burn themselves down to the ground. And, and that's not selfish either, because if they're taking care of themselves, it becomes more sustainable for them to do this work. Right. 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 It's just like you see this so much in this type of work. And it's it's on one side, it's extremely important to obviously find a purpose, a meaning, right? We're searching for a meaningful purpose-driven life, right? We're not searching to be happy every day. That's not going to happen. And it's just not, it's not, it's not where it is, but a purpose-driven, meaningful existence. But with that, we sort of almost lose track of everything else. Mm -hmm. Like I, I come from a, a sports background. I played, I played baseball in college uh, and then I became a professional wrestler and to sort of reach any height in any sport, elite level in any sport and business for that matter, you sort of have to become obsessed mm -hmm. and nothing else matters. I didn't have friends in high school. I only had friends in college because we just happened to live close by and there was proximity and, I alcohol get introduced in my life, but that's like a different story. But you just become one track focused and nothing else matters. Relationship sacrifice, grades get sacrificed, everything. But sports, there's a part of that that is you have to have well-being, right? You have to work out, you have to exercise, you have to eat right or you're not going to perform your best. And so that sort of obsession can help. But we've seen some of these Olympic athletes who then get to the peak and they're like, I don't know what to do. My whole identity is lost. My mental health, I was depressed the whole time, all of this stuff. And so it's the same in this sort of in this sort of work, right? We we know what our purpose is. I want to help kids. I want to end mental suffering. I want to change the freaking world. And then we get so focused on this, on this hyper-focused, on this very big lofty goal that's so daunting, but we're like, I'm going to tackle it anyways. And then everything else goes by the wayside. And all the advice that we're giving everyone else, we're not taking ourselves because we can do more. We can do more. I'm fine. I can do more. We can, I can do more. I can give, 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 give. And then it's it. And then we basically fall flat on our face and we wonder what happened. And I felt, you know, the exact same way. And it's like, okay, I need to circle back. I need to take a, a huge step back and realize that if I want to, live this meaningful life and actually pursue my purpose in a way that's best for my well-being, I have to do the things that I'm telling other people to do. Yeah, I uh, almost started crying during that because it's just, you know, I, I think 
why these conversations are so important too is because a lot of times, especially people who put a lot of weight on their shoulders or people who have a lot of weight put on their shoulders feel like they're the only people going through this. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, and it normalizes that this is a common struggle that people deal with. And it doesn't make me feel, it makes me feel not so alone in that situation, but I was just listening to you talk and I'm like, yeah, like that's it. Like I'm having weird health issues. I'm having health issues I've never had before. I'm having health issues that doctors can't diagnose. And it's like, this body, this is not guaranteed, right? Like this vessel has to be taken care of. Like, it doesn't matter how important my work is. If I'm stressed to the point of illness, like an illness can take me out. Right. And I don't mean to be dramatic, but it's true. It's mm -hmm. true. It's stress hurts and stress harms so much. And it's like, I, I don't, I, I feel very like almost sad for the younger me that felt like I had to push through. And I've had people in my life who have tried to stop me. And I've had people in my life, like the resistance I felt, I used to be like, well, I've had people tell me I need to chill out and blah, blah, blah. But like really thinking about the people, um, there's this woman named Patty Matheson, uh, who was one of my like advisors for when I was teaching in grad school. And she pulled me into a room. She just told me that she got emotional. She was like, I'm worried about you. Like, I'm just worried about you. You're doing too much. You're taking on too many people's stuff. I was in grad school. I was teaching freshmen. I was teaching at an acting company. I was nannying two kids. And I was also running my own after-school program. So I was literally taking care of all these kids. And then after that conversation with her, three months later, I failed out of grad school. I'd had to quit two of my jobs. I had to live in my car for three days. I had to give my dog up right? Because I just let everything crash around me. And of course, I was doing these wonderful things, right? People are like, wow, you're helping kids. I got so, I got so exhausted, exhausted that within a month, I had a seizure teaching, which I'd never had before. And then I got a concussion, right? And it's like, I, I didn't, and I tried to push through where right? it was like, you had these super serious injuries, and I'm like, I got to push through. I got a mission to do. And everything had to kind of burn down to the ground for, for me to take a forced break. And I still pushed myself into another situation where I had to be giving and, and taking. And I, and I created a lot of trauma for myself, putting myself into positions to care for people when I didn't have anything to give. Um, and it's, it's, it's wild to think that for so long, I was blaming myself for being a human, for having limits. Um, when in reality, I should have been learning what those limits are, but I didn't have the space. I didn't have the tools and resources to do it. And you look at motivational stuff now and I, you know, I do coaching and stuff, but I sometimes get really stressed by some of the things that I see because we push this like, get up and, and work and you have to keep going and never give up and hustle and grind. And I understand the importance of persistence and I understand the importance of hard work, but we are also, we're never talking about resting and we're never talking about recovering. If you go to the gym every single day and you're pushing your body every single day, you're going to collapse. Your body is going to break down. You're going to injure yourself. And it's the same thing of our spirits. You know what I mean? When we don't give ourselves time to relax and recover and recharge, eventually there will be a breakdown of the spirit. And we've seen this. We've seen this with, with brilliant artists and influencers and people who are doing great work in the world who have been taken out earlier than their time because they were pushing themselves so much. And it's like, I, I had to build this relationship with myself 
where I've gotten to the point now where it's like, if I decide to quit tomorrow, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I'm grateful for what opportunities I've had, but if this work stops, I still continue. And I used to feel like I am this work, right? But there's, it's me and, and I get to, I get to decide what I'm putting myself into. And I want kids to, to have a relationship with themselves so they can treat themselves like they would treat a best friend, like they can take care of themselves because that is, is, is so crucial in, in thinking about mental health and thinking about how we treat ourselves and, and, and how we push ourselves. Like I would never push a student the way I push myself. I would never talk to a student the way that I would talk to myself about these situations. And that was the biggest, one of the biggest gifts I had was a therapist saying, what would you tell a kid? If a kid came to you and said, these are all the things that I'm doing, I feel lazy. What would you tell that kid? And I was like, I would probably cry to hear one of my students putting that much pressure on themselves. <laughs> but I would also like ask them to be more compassionate and to be kind to themselves. But I re- she helped me realize in that moment that I could not extend that to myself, that I was not, I was refusing to extend that to myself. So whether I'm thinking about my inner child or I'm thinking about a student that I love and I care about, it helps me practice more self-compassion um, to understand that I have to pre- I have to practice what I'm preaching. I have to, not just for the sake of integrity, but for the sake of sustainability. If I wanna be a public influencer for kids, I wanna have a long life. I wanna have a long work career where I've made a lot of impact, but I can't do that if I'm not taking care of myself. Yeah, simply for the sake of, of your life your actual life, your actual life on, on this planet, which is very short and precious Mm -hmm. to begin with, as you know, who's experienced someone who's experienced a lot of death. um, It's very precious, extremely. And so, yes, like you're saying, wildly important to go after what you want, because you don't have all the time in the world to go after what you want. But in the same regard right this is where discernment comes in and sort of this like mm-hmm. this idea that i like to call dynamic equilibrium right you're just walking mm-hmm. this tightrope it's never completely balanced you're not just like oh this is all good right mm-hmm. but you have this like dynamic equilibrium where you're trying to create harmony in different areas mm-hmm. of your life but sometimes this area gets a little bit more sometimes this area gets a little bit more but you yourself always have to get enough of you mm-hmm. or else all of those areas are shit and they go they're done anyways Um, and so I want to backtrack to what you said about recovery. It's super important in, in this, uh, I coach a 14 year old baseball team and I talk about recovery all of the time because there's a stat, the best athletes in the whole world, in the whole world, your LeBron James is all of these guys get eight hours and 36 minutes of sleep per night. That's their lowest eight hours, 36 minutes. And when they go to sleep, they're doing it with deliberate intention. Like I am doing this because I want to rest. I know that rest is good for me and this is going to be awesome, right? They're not just like, okay, I guess I'll go to, like, go to sleep now and maybe I'll sleep well. And if they were like me, they're like, when I, when I was like trying to rest in the middle of the day, I would then get, I would shame myself and feel guilty for resting while trying to close my eyes. And then my eyes would be closed, but I'd be talking shit to myself like hey dude you didn't work hard today why is your head resting on the pillow and then of course even if i laid down for for 30 minutes it's not like i was resting at all my body's even more exhausted because i was just shitting on myself for 30 minutes and so we have to come to terms with rest we have to have to have to have to like 
there the the hard work is the rest like that's working really hard is like yeah. saying i'm gonna put my phone away at nine o'clock every night i'm not gonna look at it till seven in the morning those that however long that period that's for me i'm gonna lay down i'm gonna read a book I'm going to listen to some music. I'm going to hear nature on my, I'm going to watch a nice TV show, whatever it is. And I'm going to get this deliberate amount of rest yeah. because that's important. And I'm going to add a yoga routine or like a, a tea that I like. And like all of these things, I'm doing them for me so that when I start my day and I enter into this thing that needs me, cause I'm trying to change the world, then I'm at hopefully at hundred percent capacity, if not like 80% and up, because you know, there's uncontrollable variables and things like that. But if you're looking at the sports world, which I think a lot of kids are, are uh, drawn to that because they see their heroes performing at a high level and like being able to relate it to that way, like your favorite athletes on the planet spend millions of dollars every year on their recovery. Yes. That's it. Well, how do you think yeah. LeBron James is playing 21 years in the NBA and he's still at full fucking tilt? Just absolutely. I know, him. like, come on. Like, my body breaks down just watching him. Play. <laughs> you know, and same with Tom Brady. Like, there's like spending millions of dollars. So we can spend 10 hours a day resting and, and recovering. And it also comes from an, an embodiment point of view. And, that, and that's really what, you know, the basis of what we're talking about is. And I think that's, it's, it's really important. It's really important. Yeah, that's something I tried to help parents with because I think that we don't realize that we are setting kids up in a lot of ways for these patterns. And so often young adults are like, I don't know why I'm like this. And it's like, well, you're brought up in systems and in relationships where these things were kind of mandatory of you, like asking parents, like how much time do the kids have for themselves? right? Like what time period during the day do kids have where there are no expectations for them? right? Where they don't have to think about schoolwork, where they don't have to think about housework, where they can literally have an hour to just be with themselves. And a lot of people, especially my high achievement kids, they are working after school for hours on their homework or the kids who are supporting their family and raising their siblings or the kids who are you know, financially supporting their families or, you know, like how much time do kids have to themselves where there are no expectations, and I try really hard to establish that giving them the space to have that, right? Whether, and, and they may struggle with it for a little bit, right? Like, I don't know what to do with my time, but that allows them to build that practice of like, this is my time. Like, mm -hmm. this is my dedicated alone time. So I I, I agree with you 100% around the recovery thing. And I think it's so important to, to recognize that that this is a crucial part of growth, that if we want to expand more, if we want to build our capacity more, that we have to rest and recover more. This time period that I've had for the past, I'm, uh, I'm developing a docu-series idea. And one of the things I want to do is I want to do a traveling, like speaking tour that's either attached to it or around it. But I was talking to my therapist about like how much time I'm taking sleeping and like I need to get out of bed and blah, blah, blah. And she kind of like, just asked me like, when you are touring, are you gonna have this time? Like, are you gonna have time to like take breaks and call your days off? Like if you're giving speaking tours and you're filming your show, like, will you have that time? And I was like, probably not. Like, and then she kind of helped me realize, well, this is like recovery time. <laughs> like you need to lean into the resting because you're about to push yourself into a next thing. So if you're beating yourself up when you're supposed to be resting, what's gonna show up when it's time to do your show? 
you're going to do your show and you're going to be exhausted. And then you're going to be speaking at schools and you're going to be exhausted. And then you're going to push yourself to the point where something is going to collapse and you're not going to be able to do either of these things that you want to do. So then when we had that conversation, the first time I laid down after that, I was like excited. I was like, ah, oh, rest, <laughs> time to recover, right? Like I allowed myself to just recover and, and, and feel good about it. And so that's like these next couple of weeks, like, I don't care what is going on with my projects. I don't care what is going on. I'm taking my time off. I'm not responding to emails. I'm not responding to DMs. I love the students I work with. They have to wait two weeks until I'm back. I'm, there's no emergency like that I'm willing to give up, right? And I know that that sounds really bad, but also I have to do it. I have to do it. I can't save everybody. I can't be this Superman person because I don't have those capabilities and it and it's not healthy to model that for kids. I don't think that that's healthy to model that you have to work yourself to exhaustion. I was just listening to that book I told you about earlier and they were talking about this anime called My Hero Academia mm -hmm. and I love it. I love that show, but it's about a group of kids who are becoming heroes and there's the main character who literally like beats himself to death. Like every time he's pushed through this challenge, he is like broken and bloody. And it's like glorifying this where it's like you push yourself until you have nothing left to give. And I never really thought about it because I was like, well, I like his appreciation and his hard work. But just thinking about they don't show the rest. They don't show the recovery. They just show this guy like eating shit every time he's fighting and just like really glamorizing that. And it's like, I don't want to do that to myself. I don't want to come home from a work day and collapse, or I don't want to be up with anxiety dreams or anxiety thoughts all night, or, you know, having mysterious symptoms and illnesses because I'm pushing myself so hard. Like, that's not what I want to preach to kids, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> because, you know, for you, this has been a, a reoccurring bout of burnout and exhaustion. And so I'm glad that you're finally viewing it um, in a different way moving forward this time, you know, because it, it does, we're, we're getting, we have to learn hard lessons in life. And sometimes whatever you might believe in God, spiritual, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Someone is pushing these lessons in your face until you're like, oh, all right, I'm going to see it. I'm going to do mm -hmm. it. I'm going to feel it. And I'm going to lean into it. And I'm so glad that you're finally leaning into it because um, just from, I mean, I met you uh, on, a, on a call a couple months ago and now having this conversation with you, um, it, you're, uh, you're a joy to speak with, you know, the work you're doing is incredible. Um, and so I hope and pray that you take as many breaks as you need so that you can be your full self for yourself, mostly, and then, and then spreading that light and that joy and that meaning and that purpose to every kid that you come in contact with. And so, um, and also in terms of modeling sort of these behaviors for kids, embodying these behaviors, I, I agree with that hundred percent. And I've shared this story before, but I think it's, it's relevant to this conversation. Uh, as I told you, I coach baseball. And so I've watched a ton of coaches coaching the game of baseball, where it's a lot of errors, a lot of mistakes, especially for young kids playing the game. It's very hard sport. And so the coach will, be watching his kids play and they'll make a mistake, an error or throwing error, whatever, have a bad swing. And he'll be like, Hey, it's all right, bud. You'll get him next time. And then take his bucket of baseballs and throw them as hard as he can into the dugout. Mm. 
So he's not modeling what he's saying. His actions don't line up with his words. And then his kid comes back in the dugout. He goes to bat. He strikes out. And now he takes his helmet and he throws it against the cage and he slams mm-hmm. his, helmet, his, his bat against the ground. And the coach is like, what are you doing? We don't act like that here. What are you talking mm-hmm. about, coach? He's, the kid's not going to say this. But he's like, you literally just did that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just doing what you did. I'm just modeling your behavior. And then I go home and I get a bad grade on my test. So I break my pencil and I throw it across mm-hmm. the room. My mom tells me I have to do chores and I don't want to. So I yell at her. Where am I learning all of these things mm-hmm. from one simple behavior that a coach displayed at a 12 year old baseball game that you thought was inconsequential, but it had so many downstream effects on this young person. Mm-hmm. So taking on the responsibility of being around young people and coaching them and teaching them is it's hard because Mm. they are absorbing everything. And again, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. And that's something that we can pass on as well, but we have to be aware of Mm. our words and how our actions align with those words. And I, I say this, I have another podcast specifically about baseball. And I say this all the time. If you're not willing to bear that responsibility, this sort of deep honor about just shaping people for the rest of their lives that they will remember forever the, the actions you had, then please don't get into this mm-hmm. because it, mm-hmm. because you don't coach baseball for the money, right? Hopefully not because you're not, that's a whole different subject. But anyways, off that, like that, that's, that's the idea, right? And it's like, we have to take that much pride in it. And we can only take that much pride in it if we have a full bout of energy inside of us to do that. Yeah. Or else we make loose mistakes and we say sort of the wrong thing because we're tired and we're exhausted mm-hmm. and we haven't eaten right and we haven't slept and we haven't nourished ourselves in any sort of way. We haven't given ourselves the own self-compassion. And so all of that stuff is, um, it's just, it, it's it's game changer and it's life changing and it's, uh, and it's very important. And so I'm really, really, really glad to have this conversation with you where you're committing to this break where um, you can be the light that you are and you want to be and that you've been doing on very little energy and will do moving forward on lots of energy. And it's amazing. Amazing. Imagine what you will yeah. be able to do next. Man. I know. Like, that's what I keep thinking. I'm like, damn, y'all been getting this good with limited energy. Imagine what it will be like if I'm at my full game. But yeah, I think it's, I, when I think about being in, you know, a public figure for kids, I want to model growth and growth means, cause I don't believe in the perfect stuff. I don't believe in any of that. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. There is no perfection in humans. It doesn't make sense to me, but I think just showing kids that I can work on something or I can get better or I can learn things. And then articulating that stuff is really important. You know, I stream video games on Twitch because that's where a lot of kids are, but also because it's a practice ground because I do a lot of negative self-talk there. Right. And it's a lot of it. It requires a lot of growth mindset. And then having the kids witness reframing that, having kids witness moments of self-compassion, having kids witness like me being kind to myself, like modeling these things, but not coming from this place of power. Like I have all the answers you need to listen to me, but like I'm a person like you who is out here trying and learning and growing and let's lift that up. I don't claim to be a perfect person in any, in any sense. And I've had a lot of pushback from people I've worked with who have been like, don't tell people that you don't know things or don't tell people like how you're feeling. Like, 
don't tell people like that you're struggling. I, my boss, when I had that whole really rough period in my life where I failed out of grad school and I was living in my car, this woman who I had worked with for like 10 years at that point, I like considered her a second mom. I had been posting about struggling and asking for support on Facebook because I needed help. And she was like, uh, you sound like a victim. That was the feedback she gave me. She was like, we all suffer, but you're being loud about it and you sound like a victim and that makes you look weak. And I was like, cool, I'm quitting. <laughs> like that was my sign to quit because how could you say that to someone that you care about who is going through, after I put so much into that company, who is going through so much like struggle to then tell them that you look like a victim, right? And so it's like, when kids, when I ask for help, I want to show kids that it's okay to ask for help, right? And and that emotional safety is so important to create when you're working with kids. Even when we make mistakes as adults, owning it, saying I made a mistake, apologizing, mm -hmm. right? Model that for kids. So when kids make mistakes, they can own them. They can apologize. They can hold themselves accountable. They watch all of that. They watch everything. Mm -hmm. And we want, and anytime someone pushes back on kids and say, well, these kids these days, who created them? <laughs> like they, these kids didn't, they weren't just born and suddenly had all these different weird ways of being like th they are a product of society, mm -hmm. right? And the expectations we're putting on people. When you talk about mental health with kids, the big conversation of social media and absolutely social media is a huge thing to pay attention to when it comes to mental health. But let's also talk about academic expectations and pressures that have always been mental health issues for kids, mm -hmm. right? So you have multiple things, things that we never even had to deal with as young people, like on top of what they are having to deal with. And I think it's just really important to model this stuff and, and to show humanity to kids so kids can embrace that in themselves and not take it out on themselves, not beat themselves up because they're feeling low or be tough on themselves because they're struggling or push themselves to the point of exhaustion for the sake of what, you know? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for taking on this responsibility. It's an honor, anything to help these kids. It is an honor, right? It's like, it's, you just see, you just see so much like light and joy in these kids. And the, I, I don't know if there's a better feeling of seeing a kid get something, you know, you know, whether that's, whether him like, like slightly reframe the way he talks to himself, like he's just making a little bit of progress, you know, instead of saying, ah, oh, I, I freaking sucked today. He's like, mm, okay. I can do better next time. Oh, yeah. oh, I yes. love it. It's my oh. favorite. <laughs> Come on. Like, Come on, baby. Let's go. Up in a Christmas box oh. and give that to me. Just like, that's what I want to see, right? Oh, it's like, yes. I, I see a kid strike out on the field and he comes to the dugout. He's a little upset. Obviously, he struck out, right? Mm -hmm. Anger is fine. We don't push that away, but we channel it. He's like, okay, now I'm going to go cheer on my teammates because they're part of me and I'm part of this team. And now I'm going to get my energy to them. Oh, beautiful. We didn't win. Okay, we're going to show up tomorrow. I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to keep showing up. You know, all of that stuff is like, oh, it's like the most, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, I, I guess I'd imagine if you have your own kid, like it feels like that all the time, I guess. Yeah, that seems like too much for me. Like, <laughs> having my own. like I, I know we're about to leave it out. I'll, I'll share this with you. I had a student uh, about several years ago. She was in seventh grade and eighth grade when I taught her. 
And she was the kind of student where like the teachers would get annoyed with her because she was always like pushing in terms of like, it's not good enough or let me do more. Like we'll say like write two paragraphs and she'll write three pages. And it's like, we appreciate the effort, but you're honestly like putting more work on your teachers. Like don't do that. We only need two paragraphs, but she just had this like effort. I have to push. I have to push and she was working herself to exhaustion all the time and then um, I worked with her a lot on self-compassion and I worked with her on taking better care of herself and she reached out to me years later and asked me to come speak at a well-being assembly for the kids that she and a couple other students were putting on and she was in high school and she was holding space for like mental health and like being kind to yourself and being compassionate and I was like the whole time just to see that she had internalized it and then wanted to help other people with it yeah. was amazing and asking her how things were going she didn't jump to her academics she was like here's how I feel here's how I'm treating myself here's how I'm trying to like you know be better to myself or try to grow as a person and it was just so cool to see that impact kind of show up in in, in the ways that she was already sharing that while she was still in high school you know incredible Man, I, I I could talk to you all day. I'm like, I didn't get no. to any of my questions. <laughs> this is how it always goes on a podcast with me. I don't know why it's like that. No, it's brilliant, man. You're so easy to speak to and uh, you listen. And that's like brilliant, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So when you're done with your break, I would love to just connect again. Uh, it doesn't have to be for a pod. It can literally be just, I just want to see how it went and yeah. uh, talk to you again anytime. But thank you for for taking time out of your day to speak with me. This was a brilliant conversation. I really appreciate you, your work, your time, your effort, your energy, your attention, all of that. It's it's amazing. So thank you. Well, mirror back up to you, man. Same, same goes for you. I really appreciate the opportunity and I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I'm excited to see how we can collaborate and work together in the future. Absolutely. Please stay in touch and um, best wishes. Take care of yourself. And we'll see everyone next time. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much for tuning into that episode with Donovan Taylor Hall. I really appreciate it. I would love to know what idea resonated or stood out with you the most. Please let me know. And if you enjoyed that episode, share it with a friend because that's how the podcast grows. It's people like you sharing it with other people like you. And don't forget to check out our sponsors. Those links are located in the show notes. But the best way, the best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Jackson Stone directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit. You are loved. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you coming back every single week. And most importantly, most importantly, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Cheers. Lots of love.